largely there is no benefit and all pain for those particular counties. So the question on this issue and this piece of legislation is going to be, what do the rule Republican House and Senate members do when it comes to a vote? I think that is ultimately what is being debated right now behind closed doors. TBD. My guess is they'll be hearing from House Democrats as a way to stop it. But having the Speaker of the House and the Speaker of the Senate at the launch was kind of a telltale sign for what they thought its odds are of passing. And Governor Lee has made this his signature issue in the next legislative session. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have to do something. Welcome to PBN. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Blue Sky at Braden Gall and on Twitter.com at Braden Gall. I'm Jamie Holland. You say Twitter.com. I hear Steiner Liff. I'm on X, but Braden, it's Pod Bless Nash on x that's true it is and everybody should know you're the one posting there not me Uh, that i cannot confirm nor deny that your honor big show planned for you guys today of course the governor bill lee recently announced this week his plan to expand the voucher program to all 95 counties in the state and nobody has any opinions about it so we'll explain how we got here what does it mean moving forward and much like the federal funding debate and discussion around education, what exactly is taking place with the people making these decisions, the legislators, uh, with the Education Freedom Scholarship Act, Jamie. So we'll get to that. That'll be our main topic today on the show. We've got some random fun stuff to get to later. Uh, you, I can't believe this, but you are going to absolutely all agree with the mayor of Paris. So we'll get, we'll get, and not Paris, Tennessee. Paris, France. France. <laughs> so, so we'll get to that. That is the most sophisticated I have ever heard you sound. Uh, there's a massive lawsuit for Facebook. Because you've been busy making fun of me elsewhere, Brady. That's true. Uh, massive lawsuit with Facebook and Instagram. Uh, there's some fun stuff again at the end. We've got some transit news, as we have talked about on the show. Uh, there's some housing news as well, some studies out there, some other cities doing some stuff around housing and transit that we think are fairly important as we have sort of turned that into our our pet projects and issues here on the show. They go hand in hand and there is some movement and we'll get to that as well on the show today as well. Can we say, uh, first of all, cannot wait July of next year when Betsy Phillips is on the show. She talked about her book uh, that is coming out about um, about Nashville And the title, of course, Dynamite Nashville, Unmasking the FBI, the KKK, and the Bombers Behind, Beyond Their Control, excuse me, is coming out in July of next year. That's a long way away, but I thought we'd give her some love. Uh, The book is going to be outstanding. I can't wait. She is one of the best writers and historians of our great city. So just shout out to Betsy Phillips' new book, which you, I believe, can pre-order a lot of different places. But go to bookshop.org. If you want to support good local bookshops, go to bookshop.org. It is a collection of independent bookshops around the country. Use that website. The subhead indicates complicity of the FBI. Mm. I'm, I'm in, dude. She mentioned it on the show when she came on after the special session, and I was, I'm was i all in. So, And the book cover excellent work as well. So very cool. Uh, excited about that stuff. Do you, have, do you have like a bone to pick with me first before we get into 
some of the housing and transit news? No, you're just lame. We'll we'll leave it there. If somebody that's looks, it. You're lame. Why? You're lame. Okay, why? And you're defend. And you know, you suck. Wow. At the accent. Nice to see you. Often imitated, <laughs> never duplicated. You can try as hard as you want. You cannot duplicate this accent. I I have never duplicated Sorry. your accent. You have tried. Oh, you think so? And did it work? Uh, it worked for the audience of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you got you got five x more to go. Not I, Elon Sewer, but five times. Nobody listening to that show. Lamestream Sports, by the way, brought to you by the Four Forty Sports Network. Uh, understands what the joke was. It was for it was basically for my co-host at the time. Uh, currently, still Steve Cavendish, Stephen Number One. <laughs> I I did enjoy his genuine laughter. <laughs> Give us five stars. <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I would say to you, sir, the man who calls me lame, I would come up with some better insults. Well, it was just that's right there say. for the taking, that's considering the name. I mean, the other thing is Pod Bless Nashville is not listed on your website. All those other sports ball podcasts are, but not PBM. Okay. We, it, it was just, it was an intentional decision to separate news and sports. You know, some people care about both. Some people don't. On your ex profile, you say, if you're not scared. If you're not scared, come on over here with us. That's exactly why it says that. Because everybody on fucking Twitter is scared out of their mind. Because it's a sewer and there's rats everywhere. So, All right. You want to get into some stuff here today on the show? Yeah. I'm not going to say on the pod. On the PBN. Show, on the show. I like that. Show. PBN. On the show. Um, all right. So... I'm going to start with the piece of new. We'll get to vouchers because that's going to be in charter schools. Uh, great big article by Adam Friedman about <laughs> some uh, some some charter school uh, corruption. Obviously, the vouchers is a big a big issue in this state. But I want to start with uh, a headline from Axios Nashville that uh, Freddie O'Connell's transition team has urged him to decide soon if he will pursue a referendum to overhaul mass transit in Nashville, the transit committee, I think there were, th there were three of them, basically how Nashville works, how Nashville moves and how Nashville grows. And the one of the transit committees said that basically O'Connell should make an early quote, early determination about pushing for a transit referendum, which would allow voters to weigh in on establishing a dedicated local tax stream to support and expand mass transit. And they identified when Jamie Holland to vote for this for voters. As you said, November 2024, because that is a what? High turnout election. For what? A referendum on the ballot and the United States presidency. Uh, just for an example, 125,000 people roughly voted on the transit referendum that the Barry administration put forth in 2018. We can get into a little bit of that and to why it failed and to why we can learn from that and what it should be doing differently. Uh, about 315,000 people voted in the last presidential election in 2020. I don't know. I know you're not a big math guy. Correct. But 315,000 is more than 125,000. Got it. Okay. Greater than the little the little symbol there. Well, it's, you know, there were some laughs to be made at the presentation of this report by the chairman of the transition <laughs> committee on transportation, Alex Jahanger conceded the fact that he did not ride a bus to the meeting at the downtown library or has he ever ridden a bus and while funny and i i joked about it too i think it's hysterical i think the irony is well worth a laugh but 
90% of Nashvillians yeah. do not ride the bus. I, I will say. That's and, speculation on my number. Oh, see above, oh. see above, not good at math. You're just, you're just, you're just making that up. Uh, I will say, and I've, I've, I've written it a few times, uh, I, and I enjoy it. I, I have one that works for me. I know your, I know you've talked to like your kids about trying to use the bus system and how awful it is in this city right now. Well, certainly, it's oh, big. they love it. But, uh, but Independence, sure, but it would be greater and better if it could go more places more efficiently, which is obviously the point of the referendum. Uh, I've I've absolutely used the the downtown depot to East Nashville. Again, that's where we live, so that, that's what I focus on. But for two dollars and in a three minute ride, I can get from a Ryman concert to Five Points very very quickly and efficiently it is it's it's fantastic for for two bucks for two bucks so uh and and here's some a couple other quick notes here and statistics there are only four cities in all of the top 50 cities in the united states that do not have a dedicated tax stream for transit funding Uh, nashville tennessee memphis tennessee uh, orlando florida and hartford connecticut those are the only four And, and some statistics here just in general uh, one lane of traffic on average moves about 1,600 cars per hour. One lane of bus, BRT, bus rapid transit, moves about 10,000 people per hour. And one line of rail moves about 35,000 people per hour. Uh, it, it goes without saying, Jamie, that we've had a city built exclusively for cars for the last, I don't know how many years, ever, forever. And if we want the housing density to and the East Bank development, now is the time for those two issues to be married together and to be baked into the East Bank development because this is the chance. This three-year window here before the Titan Stadium opens, phase one of the development downtown, this is our chance to try to get it right. And I know there's some housing stuff you want to add to this, but um, it, it, we are long past due. And I think it will pass if done correctly, and we learn from some of the mistakes of the Barry administration's transit referendum in 2018, which some are strategic, some are the, the scandal, and some are, um, you, you know, communications strategy and, and alliance and coalition building. Well, the car is king. Can we make BRT the queen? Give it a dedicated lane. Give it traffic signalization priority. Seems like things that could be easily accomplished. You you have to lay out exactly what the cost is going to be, exactly how and who the the project benefits, where it benefits people, uh, and you've got to message it with a broad coalition across a diverse collection of voices to every different community. I think that the I would guess the goal is a singular piece of light rail, maybe from the airport to downtown, but that buses are to gonna, the East Bank to the East Bank. Sorry, the East Bank Transit Hub, excuse me, um, which I assume will be on the north end of the stadium, where the James Robertson Parkway Bridge will be adjusted, as as um, the East Bank Development Committee has already uh, alluded to that that bridge is going to have to be adjusted. But I think y- you cannot have. The, the big stuff that they wanted to do in the $5 billion plan in 2018, where there's light rail going nine different ways. Like, I don't think we're ready for that. We're not going to pass anything like that. But if you make those particular corridors, bus transit, rapid bus transit, you build one light rail to the airport, you build some more bike lanes where you can. And I think you can move the city around a lot faster, which then allows you to create what in neighborhoods density. <laughs> 
Well, I was still thinking about the light rail to the airport, Braden, because people are walking out of their Uber to get to the airport, walking on I-40. Well, they got to get to their flights. <laughs> Maybe at the next BNAA trademark meeting, we can take that matter up and make sure we have capacity for the rail, but also maybe an interim solution that maybe you don't have to park on the damn interstate. Can we do the meeting now in real time? <laughs> no. It's just you and I. No, next week. On the on the, th- the board. Next week, we'll report back. Should we build a light rail to the airport? Uh, all votes? Yay. Aye. Aye, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Done. We just did it. There you have it. Uh, so anyway, we've been trying to tell you guys there needs to be a referendum in 2024. One of the problems with the Barry administration's plan was how fast it was put into place. Uh, and how fast it happened, and the, some of the things that they kind of missed through all of their hasty decision making in that process, uh, and trying to get it onto the ballot. And I guess it was April of 2018. They announced it, I believe, in December officially. Uh, and there's not a lo- that much longer of a runway here. It, it, like, it's why I started talking about it a month ago. You've got a year. You're getting on a plane. We need less people on a plane. We need a, we've got a full year here. To execute, and that's why the quote early determination is, is is what the mayor is saying. So it needs to happen quickly, and it needs to be baked into the East Bank development, and it needs to be baked into the housing zoning stuff that's been going on. So uh, either way, positive news and positive development. Just everybody be a part of the solution, a part of the conversation, and be ready to activate <laughs> in your circles and in your communities if you want transit. Or you want to you want to be a part of how the transit system will work. So, in Bloomberg, they have a story out entitled "No, Really: <laughs> Building More Housing Can Combat Rising Rents." Next up, a report from Tasser. Hopefully, by the end of the year, we'll see what happens. And the Sacramento City Council, nine members. On the Sacramento City Council, they voted nine zero on pro housing zoning reform on Tuesday night. Congratulations! There's some models across the country to follow. People are doing it more and more. They are. Maybe we can see some action out of this city council more than just an op-ed or two. It would. It would have lost uh, nine to thirty-one here <laughs> in Nashville. <laughs> let's get going uh yeah i i know you believe that housing comes before transit because you got to have people there to use the transit it kind of has to happen together it it really i mean some people think transit comes first but i I think it has to happen together and it has to happen now uh i think there there's all we don't have time to cite all the studies i mean gal all these major corridors they're not walkable and they're dangerous extremely dangerous to be on foot you know we set records annually on pedestrians being killed by automobiles yeah it's going up it's going up um so the the, we need diverse voices we need public engagement i do believe that the uh the groundswell not just nationally you mentioned sacramento and there's a bunch of other cities that are doing that as well i think the political environment here in nashville is way different than it was in 2018 there's a bigger trust in this administration. Freddie O'Connell is the transit guy. That's his whole thing. So I think there is, I think the ground is more fertile. If you kind of track these transit referendums throughout the course of the country, generally they kind of like fail, fail, pass is kind of how it works. And we're kind of in line for that right now, right? We had the the AMP failure uh, in 2015, and then you have the, the transit failure in 2018. And now 
you got kind of a big third crack at it. And there's really not because of the Titan Stadium backstop coming in 2027 with the East Bank development. This is kind of our chance. This is our chance. We can do a transit referendum and zoning reform at the same time. Are we allowed to do that? Together. We're allowed to together. Do that. Imagine that. They work together and in concert to make Nashville a more movable, livable, and affordable place for people to be. And as you like to say, Braden, let's try some shit. <laughs> let's try some shit. I, <laughs> One last note. It, it, hang on. It works a lot better with you and with the pod than it does with my wife. <laughs> Uh, Honey, did you try some shit? The former guest of PBN, Dave Rosenberg, hired in Freddie O'Connell's administration to be the director of data and innovation. He seems like a smart guy. He's got a lot of numbers. He's, uh, he, he, he's good with if, your numbers. If, if for no other reason, he came on this show, so he's deemed smart. And a friend of the PBN. <laughs> okay, all right, let's get to the, the, the real shit today. Oh, and by the way, Apple does not log... Text message, five-star reviews. <laughs> we got a text message, five-star review from someone who is, who is all caps, definitely not a friend of PBM. I appreciate that five-star text review. However, you got, you got to scroll down, <laughs> click five stars on Apple Podcasts. Spotify people, come on. All right, Come on. here's what I would say, because you've been focused on the reviews. It does help people find us, and we do appreciate all of you who write reviews in the podcast app, not via text message. But please share the product with somebody, whether that's on socials, whether that's with your friends or family in the community. Uh, it, that is what's important, is word of mouth, building a community here. And we've got some things that we're working on to try to make that community a little bit more uh, inter interactive, for lack of a better term. So just stay tuned and share the product. And uh, we do appreciate the support and all you guys listening. It's a big deal to us. And, and we, we thank you very much. So. The longest conversation in the most recent meeting of the Metro Council was a 32, one, 32 to 1 vote on a two-meeting deferral of a contract up for renewal for Nashville.gov. Do we own our own website? Nashville.gov. That vendor contract was up for renewal and it was deferred two meetings the one meeting deferral failed so there's change afoot mm. on nashville.gov all right you ready to get into this nonsense i, I want to try to on a prior episode when everybody you told me everybody was verklempt about rebuking federal funding i said something along the lines hey that might be what I will now call a head fake. Be careful for the head fake. You might miss what's really going on. And and you were alluding to the voucher program that Bill Lee has announced, uh, the Education Freedom Scholarship Act, which was announced on Tuesday, uh, that, of course, will expand what was a very controversial vote. And we can kind of go back and rehash some of that stuff to make sure people understand how we got here um, in terms of what school vouchers are. Essentially, a school voucher in a very quick and dirty explanation is it allows you to take, move your child from a public school into a private school. You get uh, an ESA, which is an educational savings account, um, which is essentially the privatization of public education. I do find it hilariously comical that the that people are like, well, you just got to stop we got to protect our children from these failing, failing schools by taking money away from the failing schools. But we'll get there. 
I have my own personal opinions. This is about 20,000 students across the state. Currently, they claim that it's been approved for about 5,000 students since the 2019 original vote. Some reports say that it's only like 700 students that are involved oh, in this. Oh, it was in litigation for a couple of years. A couple of years too, of litigation. So, hey. um, $7,000. Which is the most consequential loss in the Metropolitan Department of Law's history. Okay. Seven thousand. You are qualified to make that statement. Thanks. Seven thousand dollars per student. About twenty thousand students per year, and it's supposed to be based on some income income qualifications. So lower income opportunity for for students. By the way, uh, I, I've you know Father Ryan, for example, on the list of schools that will accept these vouchers, twenty two thousand dollars a year. So it'll get you a third of the way. So you got to come up with the other fourteen thousand on your own. Um, very many. I don't know how a family that is qualifies for this by being under a certain threshold of of income. We call it means tested. Means tested. Uh, it's. I think the threshold's like ninety one thousand dollars for a family for of a family four. of four. I think it's three hundred percent federal poverty line. Yeah, and so and that. But but here's the thing about that. That is a great talking point when pitching the the the, the quote unquote school choice. They're cool with choice now. What I think is interesting is that that all just disappears after one year. Uh, supposedly, the second year of this 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 process in 2025, 2026, it's open to everybody. And ultimately, Bill Lee's quote uh, essentially is, uh, my goal is to have every student in Tennessee involved in this program, uh, which is, as we've talked about on previous episodes, about a million people. So uh, here, here, let's go back quickly, Jamie, and try to lay can, out. Can we talk about the source of funding? Yeah, yes, yes, go ahead. So public schools in the state of Tennessee, are, the funding formula is now called TISA, TISA, T-I-S-A. And according to the reporting yesterday, the Education Freedom Scholarship Act. Yep, you got it. No notes. <laughs> you mean no notes on the name? <laughs> <laughs> That's coming from a different source of funding. I think it just I think it should just say because I think we're sitting on the state is sitting on a nine billion dollar budget surplus. Uh, I do believe they should rename it pro-choice school pro-choice something along those lines but uh 141 million is the estimated cost if all 20,000 slots are taken uh and we're talking about you know we've been talking a lot about the 1.1 billion dollars that the federal government puts into the state 7,000 times 20,000 get you yep 141 million there you go look at you all right coming along that public education in Tennessee was good for something (laughs) um let's go back quickly and try to do this uh, uh, if you would like to read about uh, Glenn Cassida and Billy's first m- basically months on the job in 2019 and how this voucher bill got across the finish line and, you know, representative from Knoxville, Jason Zachary, flipping his vote and the vote being held open for 40 minutes while he gets promised that his county won't be included in all of this. Uh, I do recommend uh, the book uh, Capitol Hill, of course, 50 Years of Scandals in Tennessee by former guests and also friends of the pod. PBN, how are you doing this? Joel, Joel Ebert and Eric Schultz. You I just like conflict. I do. Uh, enragement sells, Jamie. Uh, but in 2019, the vote was 49-49. It was held open by the now corrupt, I, I don't know what the right word is, or always corrupt or controversial is probably the right word I should have said there. I apologize. Um, the House, Speaker of the House, Glenn Cassida, 
They passed the vote at that time. You mentioned it. It goes into a bunch of litigation for a couple of years, and we get to the point where we are now. They've added Hamilton County last year, which is Chattanooga, so now it's just Davidson County, Shelby County, and um, Hamilton County. It was supposed to include Knox County at the time, but then (laughs) Representative Zachary said, I'll vote yes for this if you don't include my county. Well, now it's coming to his county, potentially, with this bill. And I, I am curious, number one, let's explain what would happen in most of the rural counties across the state of Tennessee. We've mentioned this on the show. The Department of Education or the school system in that county is a lot of times the number one employer, biggest employer in the county. The state of Texas recently, Governor Abbott, much like Governor Lee, and I don't know why Governor Huckabee Sanders from Arkansas alongside our governor. Because I think Arkansas just recently passed. They did. Similar legislation. Again, I'm not sure what she's doing here, but fine. Uh, Governor Abbott of Texas spent seven months lobbying for their, what was the House Bill 1 at the time. This was a couple of weeks ago in the middle of November. he, He was trying to win the votes of two dozen rural Republican members of the House. The vote ended up 84 63 to strip the vouchers from the education bill that they were voting on, HB1, which means 21 Republicans switched, switched and voted with all the Democrats in the state of Texas to absolutely not have vouchers in their counties because, number one, there is, and I talked to some people in the House on this, largely there is no benefit and all pain for those particular counties. So the question on this issue and this piece of legislation is going to be what do the rural Republican House and Senate members do when it comes to a vote? I think that is ultimately what is being debated right now behind closed doors. TBD. My guess is they'll be hearing from House Democrats as a way to stop it. But having the Speaker of the House and the Speaker of the Senate at the launch was kind of a telltale sign for what they thought its odds are of passing. And Governor Lee has made this his signature issue in the next legislative session at at the same day that uh, adam friedman posts in (laughs) the lookout a large lengthy article about the charter system school in tennessee and and the varying different financial implications of charter schools which technically are public in the state of tennessee because it is illegal to have a for-profit charter school there's a lot of other states that have for-profit charter schools uh, it seems like this is what Bill Lee wants his legacy to be. That's a tax status, not a business model. Right. Uh, a pri- privately managed schools funded by taxpayers, which is what the charter charter schools are. And they're but, following the same model as how charters came along, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. That is, start out small, expand over time. It's the same playbook being ran. And if, again, you want to dive into the, the, the depths of the implications of charter schools, which is different than the private school voucher thing. They're, they are different, but they seem connected in that this what is what this is what Billy feels. It seems like he wants to be his thing. And both of them seem like they are extremely painful for communities across the, the city or across the, the state defunding public education while doing some very specific financial things for for people that I don't know are donating to his campaigns. Well, the state constitution of Tennessee requires the General Assembly to maintain funding for public education. Under the current ESA, Education Savings Account Voucher, 
that funding for the existing students in Davis and Shelby and Hamilton comes from TISA. And the reporting yesterday and the announcement yesterday, excuse me, Tuesday, different pool of money not coming from TISA. So there's a lot more to figure out. Because uh, I don't think any legislation has been filed either. A, a vast, no, there has not. A vast majority of, and I think there's 79 schools currently listed on the on the, the schools that have, are currently involved in the voucher program in the current counties that are on the table with this. And the vast majority of them are simply, you just can't cover the cost of, a, of a tuition. And then there's other requirements, whether it's a uniform or laptops or, you know, whatever. There's lots of stuff that goes into the cost of going to one of those schools. Many of them are, I, I mean, like pop-up, <laughs> like just randomly unaccredited schools that are just here to take the money. And that is a major concern. It's also a major concern that you, you think there's organizations that are primed, ready to go to come in, get some real estate, get some voucher money, students, and maybe don't maybe reap some windfalls and leave. You mean uh, you mean real estate that is acquired through bonds managed by hedge funds in larger cities outside of Tennessee? Could be or Pitbull <laughs> and Andre Agassi. <laughs> Um, I will say this. rocket ship shout out yeah. Andre. Uh, also, this is a, there's obviously a major concern that this will just be a, a this is a for lack of a better term a tax cut for the wealthy that this is going to subsidize private education for people that are already going and all that they're going to do is take that seven thousand dollars and apply it to their bill that they're already paying. Again, I'll just use Father Ryan as an example twenty two thousand dollars a year. I mean, the other side of that coin is well, if they're going to in the assuming it passes next year and then the year after it's going to be open to everybody well then you become subject to an equal protection claim so if your neighbor's getting the state funding bark shouldn't i get the state funding yeah i what i think is interesting is you at least in the private school argument the results are there right for, for lack of a better term the success rate for the private education in, in I'll just use Davidson County is, is fairly high. The, the, I mean, the schools are very good schools. You, you cannot argue that part. I've got an extreme post pandemic. I would say due to the MNPS shutdown for an extended period of time, longer than other jurisdictions within the state, the subscription rate for private schools in Davidson County is at an all time high. The difference here, and this is worth noting, on the charter schools is that the charter schools, which make money on a per-pupil basis, the charter schools are largely less successful than their public school counterparts. So if you're going to argue, hey, the private schools do better, I want my kid to go to a school that guarantees me X amount of quote-unquote success rate, I understand a parent thinking that way. I, I, I don't I – don't, agree with it if you are subsidizing wealthy families sending kids to private schools in exchange for taking money from kids all over the all over the state who can't afford or don't have a private school option because like you said there's companies waiting to just pop up that are unaccredited to take this money uh, the charter schools is even is even worse most of the charter schools i wanted to say i think it's 80% of charter schools 87 of the 109 in the state of Tennessee have a lower success rate than their public school counterparts in the district. So there's a lot of complicated stuff here, but at least if you're going to argue the private school voucher part of this, you, at least you can argue that look how good the education is. That's fine. Like the teachers, maybe you know. the testing is bullshit. 
I, I can absolutely get on board with an argument about how we define success. I, I completely agree with that. But as you said on a previous episode, there is a shit ton of money to be made in education in ways that people do not realize. Again, like real estate. A, a private equity hedge fund comes in because a charter school has been granted a piece of property. Well, the charter school can't afford to build anything because they only make money based on the number of students they have enrolled and nobody's enrolled yet. So guess who has to pay for the construction and the land and guess who makes money on the construction and the land An out of state firm that is financing all of that. So there's a lot, but that's just one example. There's a lot of other ones. Uh, Government backed bonds. Hey, you need to pay attention to your public education and health facilities board. That's where that all goes down. That used to be a wing of a local law firm downtown, which also Metro's lobbyist under the Barry administration. Yada, yada. Is there, is there a, to your point about being solution oriented, do you have a, what is outside of contacting their legislator or us in Davidson County, reaching out to our, our friends and family in the, in the other counties, much like the mental health funding and crisis, is that the only option here for folks is to say, look, let's go lobby our representatives and say, <laughs> and I think this, here's the deal. They know that they know that there is very little benefit to them, to this voucher program coming to many rural counties and only screws the people that are going to be voting for, for them in a very soon and upcoming election in 2024. I mean, the only thing that, captures the imagination of the legislature writ large is when certain of their members vote a certain way and get defeated in an election that resonates throughout all 132 members. Most recent example we've talked about before Deborah Maggard, she kind of whispered something about guns that maybe, maybe some regulation might be something. Well, that got her primary by Courtney Rogers and beat. So what's the consequence of that over the, since Deborah Maggart was defeated by Courtney Rogers? Well, now people in Memphis and elsewhere are walking around wide open, carrying AR 15 in public, super walking by school. So, you know, that would mean, and you don't have to post shit on social media. You really don't have to. Oh, I, you sound familiar. You don't have to. Who? You could spend that time like devising me. your own personal plan. To, hey, how can you help someone in one of these rural districts either vote your way or not? And if they don't, maybe pick, try to pick off one or two. Yes. That's my recommendation. We, we will lighten the mood at the end of this show with some conversations about social media. Although I guess the, the, the lawsuit against meta Facebook slash Instagram slash, uh, uh, the WhatsApp, uh, not a lighthearted subject matter at all. But I think we've said this the, the week after the October 7th attack by Hamas on Israel, you don't have to have an opinion on social media. It's important that you have conversations about this stuff with your community with people around you, but you, but you don't have to have a take on everything. You don't have to go out on Twitter and scream about it. I understand elected officials or influencers or people in, you know, administrative positions of, of organizations or, or whatever being maybe feeling compelled to make statements. And certainly education is a, a topic that gets people super fired up. Uh, I know that m my wife is 
very tuned into the federal funding and to the voucher stuff into charter schools. It's a big, big deal with as you know, as a parents with two public school kids who believe heavily in public schools as as a philosophy, it's something that gets heavily talked about in my household. So it's have those conversations. You, you don't have to post the on Instagram about the voucher program. I, I don't think you're going to move the needle that way. Certainly not on Twitter.com where nobody is actually located anymore. <laughs> Sadly, they're all on TikTok. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add on the voucher slash charter? I will recommend, I absolutely recommend Adam Friedman's piece in the lookout headline, timely donations to Governor Lee spark rise of Tennessee charter operator with dubious ties. For-profit charter schools aren't allowed in Tennessee, but that doesn't mean groups aren't finding a way around it. Credit to the headline writer, because I give him shit a lot of times, but dubious. I like that word. It's a good word and absolutely applicable to, to the entirety of the very well reported article. So go check it out. Applicable. I'm not, I can't say applicable? No. Okay. Okay, you want to move on to some lighthearted stuff, or do you have any other advice on how do people how people can get involved in the education discussion and debate? Again, I, I'm, I'm optimistic, because tech, if Texas, if Texas, if Governor Abbott cannot get the program passed in Texas, I feel like there's a chance. I feel like there's a chance that some House Republicans in rural counties will decide the right thing. You sound like Jim Carrey. But recently, the three-judge panel ruled to uphold the state house redistricting maps, but rejected the Senate maps. Do you know why, Braden? I, I do, but that's because you told me already. <laughs> because the Constitution of the state of Tennessee requires that they be sequentially numbered. And math is your domain. Not mine. <laughs> However, when Davidson County is chopped up 19, 20, 21, on the lower end, kind of needed 18. But we I, skipped I mean, the 18. Senate, the Senate we skipped 18 with 17. The Senate district maps in, the, in Davidson County are very strange. <laughs> it's very strange. So why, they got why is it that you and I are represented by the same person who represents... Oak Hill. <laughs> they they got to uh, fix that by January 31, which they'll do. So specifically, not because of any uh, inequality or injustice or any other actual reason why. It's just the numbers aren't good. They're not in order. <laughs> Correct. Cool. It, it was a two-to-one decision. The one dissent was Chancellor Russell Perkins, who, if you remember from prior episode, he was recently publicly rebuked by the board of just conduct for not getting his orders out in a timely fashion. What else you got? A repeat offender. Uh, Tuesday morning, there was a hearing in Chancery Court in Davidson County. Phil Williams v. Glenn Funk. Uh, that ruling is under advisement. Opinion come out later, but so are public records. But what's revealing about that is that the DA's office has dedicated 1,000 labor hours to responding to Phil's request and obsessed much. I think a lot of people are okay with how obsessed Phil Williams is with bringing documents to light. Well, the DA uh, takes a lot of criticism for being soft on crime, liberal. <laughs> but I do like it when you do that voice. <laughs> 
I'm I'm channeling. I was gonna say, where did you get the inspiration? I'm of that? channeling my inner Adam Vingen. For people that don't know, that's a former Spreads writer from the Athletic. And his voice on, on the Gold uh, Standard. Shout out to our Nashville Predators podcast, streaking Nashville Predators, by the way. Six in a row. Yeah, above five hundred. Yeah, beat the Penguins last. I night. don't think you're. I don't and think overdone. you're doing the voice right. It's, it's not the same voice, but uh, it is a dramatic interpretation. Uh, correct. Okay. Definitely not the same voice. Lib- liberal. Uh, <laughs> there are public meetings coming up about Gallatin Pike and Main Street, December sixth, from yeah. twelve to one thirty at the East Branch East Branch Library, December fourteenth at five thirty to seven at the East Park Community Center about multimodal transit i'm saying i feel like we should have mentioned that during the transit portion of the conversation make make it a dedicated bus lane bikers sorry it's not that we don't care about bikers it sounds like there's just not enough space for all of it right that's right and and kind of the same reason why putting a light rail down the middle of gallon road was never going to work because it's too too tight yeah uh now if you can get if you can build the dedicated the brts the bus rapid transit lanes you can eventually, maybe, turn them into light rail in certain places. So Whatever we do, let's not call it the amp. I also, what, what is it, what was it called? Let's move Nashville? Is that what, is that what it was called, the, the Barry plan? How are we talking about Carl Dean or the Barry plan? Well, I'm talking about both. Carl Dean was the amp. amp right. I'm, 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 ultimately, my point is that, why, why do we need all these little kitschy phrases and terms, and why do they have to be branded? And I just don't. I mean, the, the U.S. House and Senate, they basically make up <laughs> make up names for bills to just troll each other. Was it the was it the shorts bill? I don't know. I don't know, jo- Braden. <laughs> I mean, they make it up. They find a word that trolls the other side, and then they build the acronym around it. Like I, I don't know why we need the the let's move Nashville or. We go or amp or whatever the other ones were. There's just they're just let's just have a dedicated <laughs> transit referendum in 2024. I understand that doesn't roll off the tongue. I get it. We go does not include Jahanger. No, that's the former MTA, right? So formerly known formerly as MTA. Known. MTA was fine. What was wrong with MTA? Anyway, all right. Uh, you want to talk about the mayor of Paris for a second? Let's not, do not, it. Not Tennessee. Clearly, a listener. Of PBM. <laughs> she's heard me say. I don't think so. <laughs> she's heard me call it Elon Sewer. But no. go ahead. Tell us what. No, it's your story. You got to lead. This is where you have to lead the conversation. She called X the global sewer. She's expanded. Mm. So, hey, shout out to my moniker making. Yeah, the mayor of Paris, France. Huge fan. Huge fan of PBN. <laughs> I don't know how to say rate, review, and subscribe in French, but anyway. Uh, yeah, it's a sewer. And I will say there is some interesting news about social media that I think people can pay attention to nationally because it does affect almost everybody in the state of Tennessee. And, and that is there is a massive ongoing lawsuit in terms of... I think that, I think it's thirty nine states that have including Tennessee, including Tennessee, thirty nine attorney generals that have um, 
filed a lawsuit. This was a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, I think, a couple of months ago. But it's it's there's all kinds of fresh uh, details from this massive lawsuit against Instagram and Facebook, against Meta, of course, that just came out publicly this past week. Uh, in late October, over three dozen state attorneys generally uh, general, uh, excuse me, attorneys general filed a landmark lawsuit alleging that Meta purposefully engineered its platforms to turn children into social media addicts and knowingly allowed underage users to hold accounts. Uh, also, of course, they've done these, the Wall Street Journal and the Can- Canadian uh, Center for Child Protection did these uh, secondary studies where they set up accounts to try to trigger the algorithm into sexually explicit content about children. And of course, it worked perfectly. All they were fed by the algorithm was sexually explicit content about underage children. Adults um, don't uh, follow teenagers on social media. Jesus please. Christ. Absolutely. It's, well, I would just say get off all the platforms anyway, but that's just me. I get it. This is this is this is seatbelts in cars. This is cigarette smoking. Meta knows all of this stuff, and I would I would put Elon Musk in this. I would put TikTok in this. Uh, it's all of them. We are the new oil, folks. Like we are the biggest industry. Our attention is the biggest industry in this in the world. The biggest companies in the world used to be fossil fuel companies. They are all now Silicon Valley companies, and they all know this stuff. They all know that kids are being targeted. They know the effects that Instagram has on especially teenage girls. They they all know. This is big cigarette, big tobacco, before being told that it had to stop selling cigarettes to children. We we are not going to live in a world, Jamie, where we do not have tech, right? It's never going to happen. The phones are here. We're going to have, everyone's going to have their own personal AI assistant at some point in the near future. We're all going to have, we're not, we're not going anywhere with tech. It is about creating ethical tech and tech that protects our children. And this is a big time lawsuit, potentially. And I'm glad to see the, the state of Tennessee on the right side of this one. I am not some old man who's grouchy, who's trying to yell at people to get off Instagram and TikTok, even though that's kind of what I feel like doing sometimes. Th- this is about creating an ethical space for people to uh, still have all the things they want. A geriatric millennial and a Gen Xer <laughs> are agreeing? <laughs> then anything is possible. <laughs> now, to be fair, I was born a millennial. I don't identify as one any longer. I am transitioning. But Zuck knows, knew, knew about this. They all knows. fucking know. They all fucking know. Yeah. And here's the other thing that people don't understand uh, that maybe they do. I don't know. I'm hopeful that these kinds of lawsuits lead to the fact that we do understand this stuff more. They can throttle the algorithm how they see fit. They've done it in the past, right at right going up into the, after the election and the insurrection. Facebook throttled back misinformation and hate speech, and it worked. It calmed the temperature down on their platform. It made it more enjoyable. Therefore, people stayed on it longer. Therefore, they can charge higher ad rates. Eventually, what they need to do is attack these companies where it hurts the most, which is their data and the privacy. And if they go after that stuff, I think eventually we're going to see some ethical tech. But tech ain't going anywhere, folks. You can't, you're not just going to get rid of these platforms. Elon's doing that with Twitter on his own. But we're not going to get rid of this stuff. We've got to learn how to make it work for us. Maybe on purpose so we can buy the debt back on, for pennies on the dollar. I mean, is that, can he make the money back? I mean, if it's $44 billion down to... 10 billion valuation. Can you actually make the money back? I, I'm not, I don't know if the, I don't know if you can pencil that out. <laughs> I think it, I think he's just a yacht. He just, it's just a rich guy's yacht. No, what you can't pencil out is 
floor area ratio in housing units. That's won't pencil out. Uh-oh. We're gonna bring the entire conversation to a screeching halt. Would you like to add to that, or just no? That's roll it. the grenade in that's there. It. And that's talk it. Talk about something that very few people understand. Uh, they're going to. It's just a preview. Something to contemplate in the future. Floor area what? Ratios? Floor area ratio. In Davidson County, we do that relative to the scale of the housing, not housing units. And Sacramento just made it based on housing units, not scale of the development. You're not talking about the, the area, the land area. Correct. Of the plot of land. It's based on the number Structure. of Structure. Okay. All right. Structure. And that limits housing. AKA okay. a backwards ass policy. All right. Get everybody up to speed later. We're gonna have a info session on zoning terminology. I think that's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. Are we gonna talk about are are we wrapping here? Are we gonna talk about living up to our name in the future? We're we gonna do that separately. I think I think I mean if you got something concrete you'd like to report to the people that you haven't told me, uh sure. But I think I alluded to earlier in the show we would like to create some opportunities to be more interactive with our audience, but also the community in general. Um, I was going to mention that we're only 50 days away from like the Iowa caucuses, but whatever, it's fine. What do you want to talk about? Well, there's just some stuff going on in the community that needs our support. I know you you don't like us being all East Nashville all the time, but there is a fundraiser coming up for Stratford High School basketball team next Wednesday at 6 o'clock. At Eastside Bowl. Okay, here's what I would say: that we can we can absolutely um, promote that, support that, and get people to promote that. How about this? If you are listening and you have uh, a, a, an event along those lines that is beneficial to your community, because I'm assuming there's more than just the one high school that needs the money. <laughs> it, well, MNPS doesn't provide funding for athletic. So if you've in David's account, what I'm saying is, is reach out to at Jr. Holland on twitter.com. Uh, we will get an email address and the websites where it's all under construction, uh, but we'll get ac- ways for you guys to access and for us to interact a little bit more. That is absolutely part of our goal. And if there is an event like your transit, com- uh, the transit multi- multimodal meetings that are about Gallatin or a fundraiser for a high school athletic team, if you have one of those in your area of the city of Davidson County, please, 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 by all means, let us know. If we don't talk about it, we live in our little our little community, but we know there's just as much need in other places. So absolutely let us know about it, and we will absolutely make sure people know about it best we can. So does that work for you? That works. All right. Thank you. Uh, otherwise, uh, can I ask you a campaign messaging question? Just a real deep conspiracy theory here. Sure. I want to ask you, pick your pick your experienced brain about about the national political race. Oh, I love that conversation. I know. Well, I know you don't pay attention. This is why it's good for you because you have a clean slate over there. So I, I was looking at the campaign spending for Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley for their, their yeah, I know, I know. It's Insomnia me, suffer. It's, it's a me, it's a me problem. <laughs> But here's the deal. They, they are spending millions and millions of dollars attacking each other. Not one of them is attacking the person leading by 30 or 40 points in the Republican primary. Former President Donald Trump. I am cu- calling 45. I'm curious. Because my brain goes, it, the insomnia brain goes into the conspiracy theory. I think Nikki Haley 
would absolutely, I think Indica Haley would wipe the floor with Ron DeSantis. That's my personal opinion. Um, my question is, is are they just, they know that attacking 45 doesn't work in the polls. When they go negative, people don't like it. When 45 goes negative, everybody loves it. What I'm curious about is, is there some master plan? Because um, there's a lot of big organizations that have come out and backed Haley and DeSantis, not 45. Big Republican donor class type of organizations. I'm curious if they just think that he's going to get arrested or indicted or taken off the ballots in some way, shape, or form, and that they are just ignoring him altogether to say, we think something crazy is going to happen. Some crazy shit's going to happen before Super Tuesday, and we think it's going to end up being DeSantis versus Haley. And and I think Haley dominates in that race. I think she destroys him. She gets to South Carolina. She gets Iowa and New Hampshire, and he gets to South Carolina, destroys DeSantis in her home state, and is off and running as as a person that probably could beat Joe Biden. I mean, anybody can win in a presidential election. It's basically a 50-50 coin flip anyway with the way our electoral college is set up. But is am I crazy for thinking that, like, they're just ignoring him for strategic reasons, but, like, how can you ignore the per- Like, why are you running? Because <laughs> If like- you're going to ignore the person and not talk about the person who's up by 40 points on you, how do you, like, what's the strategy? I don't, I don't understand. Because they're running for number two, and if the president ultimately is incarcerated then they automatically become the president this is kind of that's kind of where my brain's at is that uh, like I, i'm curious if it happens if that happens before the end of the primary but if the polling says attacking 45 is bad they're not gonna do it so i mean i agree with that in general i mean the only thing i know about the sanctimonious no matter what he does his polling goes down <laughs> is that he put shit in his boots to make him appear taller and it makes him walk funny. Do you know how bad you have to be at running a campaign and being a politician that if everyone in Iowa knows what your super PAC's name is? <laughs> Do you know how bad that you have to be at this? <sighs> He's outsourced his t- Anyway, I'm just curious. I think, I think Nikki Haley would, would. I think she's striking a lot of chords that a lot of conservatives like and that if 45 didn't exist, I think she'd be a very legitimate contender and i'm just curious if they think like something's gonna happen something crazy's gonna happen and trump's gonna be out of the equation is she and all of a sudden she's just gonna coast to the republican nominee and i think would would beat biden in a in head-to-head i i don't i you know you and i both agree that the rematch i think favors the incumbent is she uh is she native american I, i i don't know where's that myth been dispelled Oh, I don't know. I mean, I remember she did order the stars and bars down from the flagpole at the Capitol once upon a time. Well, I I just am curious what the strategy. I just I'm fascinated by the messaging strategy of the entire Republican primary process. I'm fascinated by it. She's raising a ton of money in Tennessee, by the way, too. That's who she deems her closest challenger. She's got to knock him down and and consolidate what vote, what percentage. I'm glad you're paying attention for our listeners. I am not. Sorry. I'm just. It's, this is for me. This is this is exclusively for me to talk to you about this stuff. All right. Uh, well, then after you play the music, I got some other ideas. <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, five stars, please. No haters. Uh, share the show. Tell somebody about it. Email your council member. If you have any uh, transit concerns, we've got some multimodal meetings. Uh, if you've got any. Uh, fundraisers for some some local important causes high schools athletic teams businesses you let us know we'll we'll try to help and uh, of course you know 
Thank, thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. Uh, at JR Holland on Twitter.com. You can get to me at Braden Gall on Blue Sky and Twitter.com as well. Also at Pod Bless Nashville. Nash. Pod Bless Let me Nash. finish my sentence. At, at Pod Bless Nashville on Instagram, who is, of course, being sued. But you can still follow us there and <laughs> see clips of the show. So thank you guys all for listening. We do appreciate you guys. Hope everyone have a, had a wonderful and awesome Thanksgiving. We will talk to you next week. All right, here's the here's the advice relative to vouchers. <laughs> Waited till this part to say first, it? Yeah, first of all. God damn it. Having all these House members and Senate members come and give a press conference before there's even the press conference on the thing. Like they they need to shut the fuck up. Because every time they talk, all it does is remind me of the bomb scare at MLK and what re, what was relayed on social media. Like it seems like there's some un unspoken agreement or arrangement that if you're in a certain class of individuals, your lottery ticket gets punched. And maybe instead of them being the ones to lead the messaging, they go get parents that chose public schools to defend them. Not Okay those folks all right Uh, you landed that better than i thought you were going to well hey thanks (laughs) i think that look there's different rules for different fools just because you got preferential treatment on your middle school and high school choice doesn't mean you can't also be a a voice of the constituents as well they're mutual they can be mutually exclusive if not contradictory you're you're going back to hypocrisy being the coin of the fucking two things can be true so glad you waited till now to say all that shit. Gotta hang on, Braden. Stay till the end. <laughs> hey, if we get that BRT to the airport. Plus rapid transit. If we get that BRT down Murfreesboro Pike to the airport, well, what's B&A going to do? They're going to lose out on parking. I suppose we should have to have a, a board meeting about it. Well, maybe, just fucking maybe. BNAA is going to meet. All these years, I've never seen traffic back up it's on I-40 to get to the airport. People are getting out of Ubers and walking on the interstate. <laughs> you saw that, right? You realize that's the dumbest fucking thing ever you could do as a human. I, uh, get out of your automobile on the interstate. You could smoke fentanyl while walking <laughs> on the interstate. That would be dumber. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs>